two weeks, the journal was completely full and I <laughs> could not wait to go back to her to tell her what happened. It was a, I can, I can verbalize it today at 47 at 10. All I knew was that I wasn't angry anymore. Wow. Today, wow. I'm very clear. It was a cathartic experience, a, a very powerful exercise. It removed all of that anger, that low vibrational energy out of me and put me on a path to vibrate extremely high and to bring into my energy field everything that I wanted to experience. And I ran back to her and told her, I said, Miss Dixon, I realized my purpose. I want to use words to change people's lives because writing everything down that made me angry has changed my life. I was 10 years old and I remember it like it was yesterday, y'all. Welcome to the Innovative Founder. The show where entrepreneurs get real. real. These are the raw, the gut-wrenching, often hilarious, sometimes shocking, and definitely entertaining stories of innovative business founders who are making their beautiful dent in the world. No BS, no posturing, and no narcissists allowed. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the unscripted adventures on today's episode. Now, here's your hairless hosts, Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd. Hello, founders. Welcome. Hello. What's going on out there in... Oh, I'm fired up. I'm back from a trip. You're fired up. Yes. Full of energy. Yeah? Full of energy. A couple weeks in in Florida. Yeah. Food, yeah, we, we hinted at that, but um, yeah, we spent a, a seven days, eight days of golfing, got 10 rounds in, so wow. we got some double rounds in, um, wow. thoroughly enjoyed the, the weather down there, and then uh, my two adult daughters uh, flew down, and we did some beach days, and then uh, we, we took the uh, last three days of the trip to honor the mouse, and spent three days at Disney, walked over 30 miles over three days. And man, um, I wrote about it in an email recently, um, like you saw, uh, but yeah. Disney, Disney just does things well, dude. Yeah. Uh, they leverage technology in a really powerful way. Um, the Disney app allows you to um, pretty much to optimize your day. Um, order food when you need it. Like you're not sitting around wasting time. Mm. Uh, even when you're waiting in some lines for the more popular rides, if you don't have a lightning lane, you're, you're walking through an experience. So you're like immersed in a story and there's sights and there's sounds and there's smells and it's all at a subconscious level. And you're like in this other world, like there's, there's a reason people study Disney for business purposes. Mm. Like, I know there's going to be all kinds of like, yeah, there's all kinds of political shit with Disney, but what, who cares? Like yeah. Yeah. when you talk about a customer experience, they, they know what they're doing. And I know there's even still room for improvement, but my goodness, um, you know, spending a day there with your family or three days with the family, spending a shit ton of money, but like absolutely enjoying the experience because like it's second to none, you know? Mm. So, um, Totally exhausted, but also totally entertained. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, years ago, um, was doing marketing at a college in, here in Colorado, and we had a consultant come out who was uh, talking about Disney, uh, you know, the, the, the marketing is the experience, the experience is the marketing, and uh, how he made a regular annual homage to, uh, to Disney to study it. 
to yeah. pay attention. And uh, so interesting. And um, so many lessons to learn from that. Um, as yeah. we're trying to figure um, out our own experience around when we, what we do. Yeah, even a couple of friends of ours, Andrew Locke, uh, wrote a book on Disney, came to a round one of our roundtable meetings mm -hmm. and spent a couple of days just sharing the stuff. And he he takes groups to Disney. Um, Dan Kennedy would take groups to Disney. They would they'd stay at the uh um what's the expensive one there? Whatever the expensive resort is there, they'd stay at the high end resort and it'd okay. be it'd be like uh, an affluent thing. He would he okay. would show you how to do you know Disney and and the affluent part of it. Um, but he Dan Kennedy, the curmudgeon of marketing, um, was a Disney fan. Is a Disney mm. fan. You know, loves mm. the experience. Um, um, uh, Vance was it Vance Vance Morris um, mm. was another one. Spends a lot of time talking about lessons learned from Disney. My my optometrist, a friend of mine, um, he goes to the Disney Academy every year, um, and they do training for business owners and how to create a better experience for your your customers. So, um, really powerful. Um, really powerful lesson, but also just like a great way to spend a few days with, with family. Um, and I'll tell you this, it's way better to go there with adult children than little children. <laughs> like, I know they think Disney, like, okay, you're going to visit the princesses and ride the Dumbo ride and everything, yeah. but damn, it's way easier to walk around with, uh, two adults yeah. or your kids than pushing them around in a stroller. <laughs> and when no meltdowns crying and, and screaming oh my goodness the number of meltdowns was just hilarious oh like, god like Overpriced. so glad to be out of that you know kids right. covered in like ice cream and screaming right. at the top of their lungs because they had no nap right <laughs> like they, they're full of sugar right um, they have Wait, a is this nap. you or your children no is this, this you, is something you else know nap and i, I yeah. hate to see you in that space oh we actually were trying to invent ways to like catch a nap in the middle of like about three o'clock when you're, right? when your serotonin levels are messed up. It's like, ah, oh, I could really close my eyes for about 20 minutes. So, yeah. Yeah. um, we found a couple ingenious ways. You sit down on one of those shows and you just kind of doze off for 10 <laughs> minutes and like you're, you're refreshed. So yeah, it's yeah. all good. It's all good. <laughs> so, but a great way to come back is to, uh, is talking with our next guest. Man, yes. what a yes. what a ball of energy! Woo. Absolutely, one of my favorites so far. Uh, Absolutely, Darnielle um, Darnielle Harmon. Um, she is a powerful, powerful human. Um, mm -hmm. She's got a great story, and I'm just mostly like, it's going to be apparent, but like the fact that she made some of the decisions she made as a ten year old. Yes, just like it's remarkable. It's just, it's a miracle mm -hmm. that she turned out the way she did. And, and a testament to teachers and a testament oh. to teachers in the lives of, of, of young people, kids that age, grade school, high school. Wow. How one comment, how one suggestion, how one seed planted oh. can change the directory of somebody's life. Uh, she is yeah. a testament to that. Yeah. You're going to love, you're going to love that story. So uh, we want to uh, get right into it. It is a, uh, it is you are going to feel good and feel um really recharged after listening to uh, Darnielle today. So enjoy this conversation. Hey founders. Hey so founders. Glad to have Darnielle with us today. Welcome. The Darnielle. No last name needed, right? No last name needed. Like Oprah. <laughs> I don't know if I've met too many Inc. 5000 CEOs. That's pretty interesting. What's that all about? Yeah. 
So I am on the 2022 list, the 1,209th fastest growing, growing company in the United States. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. I Tell us about it. that. How does one become that? So your company has to do two, $2 million. Well, okay, let me start over. So it, it takes a three-year span. So from 2018 to 2022. So in 2018, we had to have done at least $100,000. And in 2022, we had to have at least done $2 million. Okay. And so there you go. Or actually 2021, sorry, 18 to 21. So at the end of 2021, we had to have done at least $2 million. And then you apply, you pay money, you apply, they, you know, verify that you actually did it. This is what I love about the Inc. 5000 is it's not one of those awards you can just pretend like you have to prove that you actually did that. (laughs) And then they take you through their ranking system and then you can buy a whole bunch of Inc. 5000 paraphernalia. Yeah, you got the one over your- over millions your of dollars doing this. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's awesome. like um, I'm serious. Like, so if you think about five thousand companies, yeah, I think the admission fee was maybe like three hundred bucks. So that's like one point five million right there. And then everybody at least buys the plaque, which is on average they're like five hundred dollars. So then that's another two and a half million right there. I mean, they make a killing. Yeah, I'm gonna start an award. I don't know what it's gonna be, but I'm I know gonna start one. Let's, it's I'm a good five hundred dollars to get in it. And then like, yeah, you could just make so much money. It's a good business. It is. Yeah. It's really smart. <laughs> well, awesome. What else, what else are you excited about today? Yeah. What else is going on? So I'm excited. I have a book coming out later this year called yes. Move to Millions. And so I'm really excited about that. It comes out November the 7th. It is part memoir and part methodology. It is how I personally made the move to the million dollar mark and became a million dollar CEO and have taken 38 companies with me. Wow. And it is the framework and methodology that we use with our clients and our programs. I believe that it's the book I was born to write. It was so easy to write it. It's so good. I had so (laughs) much fun doing it. Like, yeah, I was born to write this book and I cannot wait for the world to get to read it. I love it. I love your enthusiasm. I love your certainty. That is refreshing. I'm so certain, Brandon. Dang it. Where's the book? Why? Where's my book? I don't have one. Where's Bob? Send me the book. What are you Uh, looking for? Oh, what are you looking for? I want a copy of that book. I I need to read the book. As soon as it's available, we will make sure we let you guys. All right. I want a signed copy. What's that going to cost me? Absolutely. Like 25 bucks, probably $500, right. And you have to enter my awards <laughs> right. and you have right, to right. buy a plaque. Right. Top, we can go for the, you can do the top 5,000 podcasts yeah. list and then there we go. People apply. Come so, yeah. well, that's awesome. You know, the, the accomplishment of writing a book, um, especially a book where it's like, you've kind of feel like it's a book you've always meant to write. Yeah. Um, if you can write a book where it feels like it's effortless, then you really know you're in the zone. I mean, yeah. books themselves are hard to write. Is this your first book? Have you written other books before? No, this is my eighth book, but this okay. is the first book that I actually got a book deal for. So, oh, cool. Um, and like when I read it back, like after it started going through the editing process, I feel like Bob, like I was literally channeling, like I yes. did not have any recollection of saying some of the things that I said. They were so brilliant. Like, 
Yes. Like you have those moments where it's like out of body and you're like, did yep. I write that? Or did, did someone else yeah. sneak in and put that part in there? It, I had that feeling like constantly as I was reviewing it back. And when I was writing, I wasn't reading any other books. I normally read a book a week. Mm. So I wasn't doing any reading so I could just have clean, fresh ideas. But um, I'm so glad it's done. And I can't wait for the world to see it, to read it. Mm. That is phenomenal. And we, we have that phenomenon once in a while. Um, it's why we like to record our calls because Brandon will go, Hey, Bob, do you realize like what you said just 20 minutes ago? I'll be like, I have no idea what I just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, it was pretty good. Um, glad that we captured that. So, um, those people that know how to channel their channel source and like that, that's a brilliant, brilliant way to create. So yeah. congrats to you. So excited you. for you. That's what a big accomplishment. <laughs> I'm so yes. excited too. Fantastic. So eight books. Okay. That's cool. So you want to hear um, about why I have eight books? Yeah. Sure. Let's, 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 let's hear about there. that. Okay. So when I first started my business back in 2007, 2008, I knew I wanted to be a speaker. Actually, I'm going to sidebar for a second. When I was 10 years old, I found my purpose. Thanks to my teacher, Mrs. Dixon, I talk about her in my book. She helped me to understand the importance of my words. And once mm. she gave me my first journal, and once I finished that first journal, I declared that I wanted to use words to change the lives of other people. So what Maybe. does that mean? That means you're a speaker, you're a writer, right? Like you're communicating yeah. in mass. And so when I first decided to leave corporate America and start my company, I was like, well, what can I do? I'm a, I've always been an amazing order. Like it is just my gift. Yeah. And so I said, I'm going to be a speaker. Well, I didn't want to be a speak for free speaker. And I didn't have any <laughs> credibility get that stuff. Variety to yeah. get paid to speak right out of the gate. So I said, I'm going to write a book about the things I want to speak about so that people will hire me because I have a book. And that's exactly what happened. So right. I have seven books because over the years, I had seven signature talks that I did. And there was a book for each one. So mm. even if they didn't have budget to pay me, I could get them to buy 300 copies of my book. And then that would create income. So that's the reason why I have so many books. Damn, you're strategic. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm fired up. This is fun. Well, your so energy could like could power all the lights on my house right, right? now. That's what I love. <laughs> right? I get that a lot. When I was in, when I was in uh, working in corporate America, I went from um, entry level representative to a personal banking officer in like overnight. And then I got another promotion from personal banking officer to vice president, like overnight. And both time it was because a major decision maker in the company the last time from PBO to AVP, it was our, the company president, the company, the person who founded the company was in the audience when I was doing a talk at our officer meeting. He yes. literally rushed right up to me after it and was like, you need to meet me in my office on Monday. And I'm like, oh gosh, am I in trouble? And I walk in and he says, if I could figure out how to bottle your energy, I would be in an entirely different business and I would be a quadrillionaire. I don't even know if that's a thing. And he's like, Sounds I good. need you speaking on behalf of the company. And like, just like that, I became one of the company spokespersons because of my energy. And I don't know where it comes from because it just turns off. Like, as soon as I finish talking to you guys, I'll be you take like a nap. over there in that corner on the my floor, office. fetal <laughs> position under your desk. Exactly. I get it. Yeah, that is exactly. 
That is so interesting that you're talking about that. Brandon and I this morning were having a conversation um, with with uh, with a potential joint venture partner, and we were talking about this very thing, which is yeah. kind of your on air, on stage persona. Now you're not being somebody you're not right now, like, right. but you're just kind of this amplified version of yourself that you just kind of turn a switch and go energy up, right? It's like yeah, yeah. it's yeah. because it's my gift, and I know that yeah. I'm very clear on who I am and what I do for people. And so to live into that gift, I have to show up fully. But when I'm not, when my gift is not needed, I'm an introvert and I'd much rather be in a quiet corner somewhere. Oh my gosh. Preserving my energy. Like I'm invisible. If I could be invisible, it's like, don't let them see me. Don't let them see me. Don't let them see me. But then the moment, like I I just spoke at an event not too long ago and I was there for the whole time because I like to, if I can, I like to, attend the entire experience. I can feel the energy and, and, and take parts of what other speakers have said and bring it into my presentation to really bring it home for the attendees. And so I'm always in the room. I'm unassuming. I'm like, you know, not necessarily in a sweatshirt and a baseball hat, but as, as low incognito as I could possibly be. And then I take the stage and they're like, I had no idea when I was sitting next to you, this is who you are. And so Um, so yeah, it's just, it's the leveraging of the gift and appreciation of the gift. Like I'm very grateful that God chose me to do this work, to be this person, to be this catalyst of change and disruption for other people. Mm -hmm. And so I show up fully, I give it everything that I have because I want to make sure that people get the transformation that they need because of what it is that I share. I love that. Tell us a little bit about the the origin story of this superhero we're talking yeah. to today. Tell us a little bit about what was what was growing up like. What was tell me, yeah, you, so, you had a teacher um, that influenced you. Tell us a little bit about about absolutely. The, the story. So I am a product of drug addicted parents, Oof. born in the projects of Wilmington, Delaware. My mom went to jail when I was young, and so I went to live with my father, who was an addict, a functional addict. He had a really great job. Um, working for General Motors, but he got high every weekend. Like he would leave for work on Friday and we would see him again on Monday after work and he'd be binging Mm -hmm. all weekend long. Um, So that was my upbringing. And I was very clear from a young age that that wasn't going to be my life and my story. Hmm. And so I went head first into education. It's like the only way to get out of this hellhole is to educate myself. And so did really, really well in school, ended up getting a full scholarship to college and just never looked back. Um, and so grateful. I think my parents did the best that they could with what they had. I've never been addicted to anything. So I don't know what it's like to have a substance that runs your life. Yeah. Um, and so I'm grateful that even in their addiction, I'm here, right? And that no matter what it is that they did, they didn't kill me. They didn't take me out. They didn't minimize my purpose. They, if anything, they probably pushed me farther into it. I'm proud to report that today. My mom is, she's, you know, she's still an OG, but, <laughs> but she is not an addict anymore. She's an okay. amazing woman that I get to have a great relationship with as an adult. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of where it started. I have, there's a total of seven of us. My mom has seven kids. My mom and my dad share three. So my dad has four. My mom has seven. They share three. I am smack dab in the middle. I'm number three um, and or number two out of my dad's four. And I was very clear from a young age that I was going to like people were going to know who I was. Not not for me, 
but because of what I was sent here to do, what I'm supposed wow. to be a part of and how I'm supposed to show up. So full scholarship to college, got into law school where Georgetown Law decided like literally in the last hour not, not to go. I graduated with no um, student loan debt from, from undergrad. And I was like, I don't think I want to get debt for this. So I decided at the last minute not to go to college, went to work in corporate America. And that's where within three years, I went from entry-level customer service to vice president. And um, I spent 12 years in corporate. And then I literally woke up one day, I will never forget, December the 17th, 2004. Um, I call it my Keith Sweat moment, if you're familiar with the singer Keith Sweat. He has this song, Something Just Ain't Right. Something mm. just wasn't right, y'all. So <laughs> in my spirit that day, I was like, ah, this is my last day at work. And I literally walked into my boss's office and I quit my job with no plan. I had no idea what I was going to do, but I just knew I could always bet on me. And so I was willing to bet on me. When I left corporate, my first thing that I did is I was a Mary Kay beauty consultant turned sales director turned pink Cadillac sales director. Yeah, so I did Mary Kay for two years full time. Had I want two pink Cadillacs during my tenure and a whole bunch of diamonds because they love to give jewelry away. Um, and then in 2007, I, I had, I call it my Britney Spears moment. I said, oops, I did it again. <laughs> I traded one moment, one desk for another. And so I decided then that I was going to start my own company. So I started incredible one in 07, um, October of 07, we failed miserably. So miserably. In fact, I filed bankruptcy and went back to work. What? So I took that a job. never happens in the path of an entrepreneur <laughs> never everything never. Are, it's all roses absolutely butterflies and bunnies it's just like Always. money you're just rolling around in piles of money absolutely the yeah. yeah i don't know i don't know what that's about yeah not my story yeah. not my story no. my story no, is you bankruptcy never live off savings and... or ramen no yeah yeah ramen and peanut butter and jelly and yeah. Almost living in my car and yeah. watching my car. You're 45. Twice. Why are you living in my basement? What? <laughs> You're Cause I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. So I ended up going back to work for two years, trying to figure it all out. And what I realized I was so successful in Mary Kay because Mary Kay was a proven business model. When you're starting a ground up company, there is no proof of the business model. And so I didn't know what I didn't know. I took that job. I humbled myself. I figured out what I didn't know. And then I came back into full-time entrepreneurship January 1st, 2011. And the rest is history. We became a seven-figure company three years later. And here we are today. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's um awesome. I'm struck by the fact that it's very difficult for a child to have that kind of resolve and yeah. clarity yeah. to My realize what's says going the same on. Thing. <laughs> My what's therapist that? used to always say that. She's like, you are the exception. Most people succumb to the pressure of where they are raised, but you are very resilient. So I yeah. learned about resiliency really early. All yeah. that I can do is I can really credit God is having decided that my life was supposed to be for something else. Mm -hmm. Because all I saw when I looked at the chaos around me was go in the opposite direction. Like, don't go over there. And it didn't happen that way for my siblings. They got caught yeah. up. And, but okay. me, I'm like, nope, I want to be rich. <laughs> I want to, you know, I want to wear Brooks Brothers suits. I want a briefcase. Sure. I want my hair back in the corporate bun. That is who I'm going to be. And I just, I just stuck to it. And I, I liken it to the Emerson quote. Once you decide 
the universe rearranges itself to bring you what you decided. And I decided very young that I was going to be a success. But there's, there's an emotional maturity. And, you know, we talk about like, you see children that you, you say like they're an old soul. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what we say about that is almost like it's 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 an old soul inhabiting a young person's body Mm -hmm. and they've got wisdom that you can only describe as supernatural. And it seems like you're just one of those people. Because, again, people in that situation, innocent children don't have the maturity or the wherewithal to recognize even what's going on and then to be able to go to be able to have the ability to go. This is not the way. I want to live or way people should live and yeah. to make that decision at such a young age to say, no, I'm going a different direction. I mean, that just speaks to just like this supernatural force that is pushing you from the inside and you're going, yeah, like you're, you're like completely awake in a household where everybody's asleep. That's yeah. it's just, it's an amazing story. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. I appreciate yeah. it. You don't, you don't hear I that. Sometimes I sometimes forget that I am an anomaly. And most people like to your point, Bob, like most people don't overcome the way that I've overcome. And for me, there was no other option. It was Mm non-negotiable. Yeah, And and that's why I, I, I teach today. I spend a lot of my time talking about mindset because it really is just the decision because once you decide like the force, the energy the, the vibration, the, the, yeah. all of that follows the decision. And so if we can get people to decide that this is what it's going to be, then the universe has to catch up to your decision. Mm. Well, you know, you basically, you're, you're the ultimate creator and you decide what your, your path and your environment would be. And you're right. There is no other choice but the universe to to move in the direction that you wanted it to move because yeah. you were the creator in that situation. But again, I, I just marvel at the maturity and the recognition of that. I mean, there's people in their 40s and 50s who are still walking around in in sleeping. They're sleepwalking. Yeah. Yeah. They're a product. They're they're a victim of their own environment, yeah. whether they like if it or not, or even know it or not. <laughs> um, and so I think I, I think for well, first of all. Obviously, we, we we've talked about it. Your your energy, like you 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 have a presence, and I think when you get on stage, you get on podcasts, like you you immediately get people to pay attention. But then I think it's your story that unlocks people to go, oh my goodness, like I I have control. I, there's a better way. So I think you know the the whole idea of you writing this book, like the book you're always meant to write you know, that story is just going to be, it's going to unlock so many people's lives because that power, that powerful story will essentially wake people up. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. not going to be 10 years old. Maybe they're 40, maybe they're 60, who knows? Right. But like, that's what I'm just so excited for you for is like, your story is going to wake people up. Thank you. I appreciate that. I like wake that. up y'all. <laughs> <laughs> we got work to do. We got stuff to do. Well, hey, we didn't lie, did we? This is a great, great high energy interview with Darnielle. Um, all the stuff that you want to know about Darnielle, you want to follow her on all the socials, drdarnielle.com and then at Dr. Darnielle. So it's spelled D-A-R-N-Y-E-L-L-E. Um, give her a follow. Uh, you want to make sure that you're connected with her. Her book comes out in November. Uh, Move to millionsbook.com will be online soon. You want to make sure that you get a hand, uh, your hands on this book. Brandon and I are going to make sure we get it as soon as it comes out. And we're expecting a signed copy. 
um, we want to look for that. So uh, follow Dr. Darnielle on socials and on the, and on the web. Now back to the show. You're listening to the Innovative Founder. Now back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brandon Boyd. Danielle, I have a question for you around this kind of awareness you came to as as a young child. Was there was there any kind of an event, any kind of a maybe it's earliest memory? And again, whatever you're comfortable sharing, I know you were in an environment that it, you sounds like you wouldn't really wish on anyone um, with what was going on with your parents. But was there something that something that turned a key in you, maybe that that you know, at what young age does someone make the decisions you make about success, even knowing what success means when you're in an environment that's not really conducive to that type of thinking? Or you even had an example of what it even looked like. Exactly. Was it your teacher? Was it something that happened earlier? Was there just something like, what made you aware that that's what you wanted at such a young age? I'm curious about that. Yeah, I appreciate this question so much, Brandon. It was Mrs. Dixon. So Mrs. Dixon Hmm. was my fifth grade teacher. I went to P.S. DuPont Elementary School in Wilmington, Delaware, and Miss Dixon was my fifth grade teacher, and she loved me so much that she became my sixth grade teacher. That's my story. She changed grades so she could keep staying in my space. Oh but my anyway, gosh. so I was a very angry child, and I think I had the right to be angry. Yeah. And one day, Miss Dixon pulled me aside on the way to recess, and she asked me, had I ever heard of a journal? And I told her no. And she gave me an assignment. She said, you are very angry. And if you are not careful, you will miss your potential. And so I'm so grateful to Mrs. Dixon that she saw my potential instead of seeing seeing an angry black girl. Wow. And she gave me that journal and she told me, and it wasn't anything special. It was just a, a composition notebook. She said, every time you get angry, I want you to write. I don't think Miss Dixon knew what Love she was her. doing. Like I literally- <laughs> Love Miss Dixon. That's amazing. Oh. Two weeks, the journal was completely full and I <laughs> could not wait to go back to her to tell her what happened. It was a, I can, I can verbalize it today at 47 at 10. All I knew was that I wasn't angry anymore. Wow. Today wow. I'm very clear. It was a cathartic experience, a, a very powerful exercise. It removed all of that anger, that low vibrational energy out of me and put me on a path to vibrate extremely high and to bring into my energy field everything that I wanted to experience. And I ran back to her and told her, I said, Miss Dixon, I realize my purpose. I want to use words to change people's lives because writing everything down that made me angry has changed my life. I was 10 years old and I remember it like it was yesterday, y'all. And 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 she, I even have chills now as I'm recounting this story. She looked at me and she took my my uh, face in her hands and she said, I see that for you, child. Oh, go amazing. and get it. And that was that was the defining moment. That was the literal crossroad where I took the road less traveled because what was expected of me was to, you know, get caught up in sex, become pregnant, end up with my own project home and some babies on welfare. Like that's what was expected of me based on where I came from. But that one moment, Miss Dixon, she shifted the trajectory of my life and put me on the path that I get to be on today. And so I'm forever grateful. I was blessed enough to do the eulogy at her funeral when she passed, like Mm -hmm. just stayed in, in touch with her family. Amazing. I'm, I'm so grateful for Mrs. Dixon. That's amazing. 
Yeah. Oh, what a beautiful story. Well, just just the fact that you understood that those those words she seed like she planted a seed in you, mm-hmm. like those words were powerful, and for you to realize how powerful words were, um, man, yeah, I got goose got goosebumps too. I'm getting choked up. That's wow. That's what a great. It's such a responsibility. Um, you know, uh, I'm a high school basketball coach, so mm-hmm. I I have 15, 16 year old boys that um, you know I coach for four months out of the year. Yeah, and uh, just the weight of that responsibility sometimes to know that you could say one thing that could send them in a bad direction or say something really good. Um, yeah. I was showing a picture of uh, to Brandon earlier today of uh, I, I I have a presentation on Friday and I put a picture in there of me standing next to my first point guard of my first high school team. Mm -hmm. And we took a picture before a game where he was now a coach as well. Mm -hmm. And so like that picture represents to me like what I do. Right. And you've got that same picture where it's like this, this is why I'm here. And, and to have that awareness of that is so powerful, but um, yeah, just the, it's just it just strikes me how important it is to mentor and care for people um because you, you never know what you're going to do i mean do you think obviously she knows now she just sees your success um i think she's probably even more impressed by the number of people that you're touching yeah the money's great but the amount of lives you're changing yeah i think she's just absolutely ecstatic for you oh yeah i mean she's she's gone you know she's transitioned at this point but yeah. but i stayed in touch with her and through, you know, through college and into my first career, she was like 90, 97, I think when she passed. So wow. nice, long, full life. And it's yeah. because she planted great seeds. Like I think, yeah. you know, the way you treat people, it, it, it matters. And um, yeah, she was definitely very proud. And I'm just forever, ever, ever grateful that she did not let me stew in my anger which mm. I probably had every right to, but she was like, no, not on my watch. That's not happening. Wow. What a, what a beautiful gift to yeah. give someone a tool is essentially what she did. You know, she, yeah. she, she didn't try to, which I think a lot of people, they can take that energy, they can shove it down and it comes out in all these different dysfunctional ways that harm us. But she gave it, she gave your anger a voice mm-hmm. in, a, in, in an amazing tool that, and look what it did for you. What what a what a beautiful gift. Yeah. Thank you for that. I'm mm. interested, Danielle. So the um the, the corporate job, it was it was in the banking sector? It was in the banking sector. Okay. So did that did that kind of lay a foundation for your your uh foray into entrepreneurship? Did you stay in the financial side of things? No. So I started working at the company it was bought by Bank of America in 2005, but I started working at MBNA American Bank when I was in college. I was a, a summer intern there. Okay. And in full transparency, I was lazy. Like I was going to law school, changed my mind at the last minute. I didn't go looking for a job. I just went to my boss and was like, hey, I think I might want to work here full time when I graduate. <laughs> And so I did. And so I was still in customer service where I was working part time and just went, you know, full time. Um, but then growing up in the ranks of the company, getting to the point of being a vice president, especially as a woman of color, like it's, yeah, that is a, a big deal. And you get a lot of attention because in that industry, like that. a huge deal. Mm. Yeah. And so, um, when I left, like I literally, 
I didn't want to do corporate America anymore. Initially, I had a, I had some toxic experiences towards the end, you know, being a woman of color and having to deal with your, sorry guys, your white male counterparts who think that you slept your way into promotion after promotion after promotion. Yeah, kind of just kind of ruin it for the rest of us. Yeah, so. Sometimes um, it got really bad towards the end. And so I was like, I'm out of here. I don't even know what I'm going to do, but I know I'll land on my feet. I had my MBA at that point. And so I was like, worst case scenario, I can get a job, but yeah. I'll never know if I have what it takes to actually work for myself. I wasn't born an entrepreneur. I didn't grow up around entrepreneurs. Like I kind of landed into it later about the possibility of removing that proverbial glass ceiling and really being able to chart my own course as I learned about personal development, that's when entrepreneurship became attractive to me. Hmm. And so at that point, you know, like I said, the first thing that I entered into was Mary Kay. And Mary Kay is a great training ground for true entrepreneurship Hmm. because there's a lot of personal development that you learn in a direct sales company. And so you really get to, you get to increase your confidence and your competence around those transferable skills that will make a difference in the real world. You know, I learned how, I really learned how to communicate. I took my speaking skills to the next level. I learned how to sell and to sell in every way, to sell from the stage, whether the stage would be, you know, a a true stage or the front of someone's kitchen where I was doing a skincare class. You know, I learned how to sell one-on-one and overcoming objections to get people to make a decision to become a beauty consultant or to buy the products and services where it's easier to just go into the store and pick up what it is that you want. And so it was an amazing skill that set the foundation for entrepreneurship. And so when I decided to start this company and become a consultant, all of that was kind of ruminating in the background. What I had learned in corporate America, what I knew about business, because I had my MBA um, and I leveraged it when I was in corporate, like all of that was kind of in the background. But what I knew right away was that I wanted to help other entrepreneurs learn how to be successful in business. You know, again, bankruptcy, ramen noodles, peanut butter and jelly, card repossessed, all the things. Once I finally figured it out and got on a trajectory to growth and and revenue and and, and then eventually money and wealth, I wanted to turn back and help somebody else do it. And so- mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with corporate. I do still have some corporate relationships and contracts that we work, but there's something amazing to me about helping a person who doesn't have a a safety net that has decided Mm. that they want to show up. They want their gifts and talents to serve someone out in the world on their own and giving them the success clues that are going to take them from zero to hero. And mm. so I get really, really excited about doing that work, but I absolutely have to pay homage to where I come from and what yeah. I learned about business and how that helps me to help our clients to set up their companies strategically so that they truly can be CEOs and not those who masquerade as CEOs, right? Like it's on your business card, but you're everything. The E is an executive. <laughs> it's everything. So, um, so Chief I definitely everything. All Chief everything. <laughs> so what, what, what did you take from the experience of going through a failed business um, that you were able to take into your next several ventures where you didn't come across the same result? Like what changed for you? Yeah, that's a great question, Bob. I would say the first thing that changed was I made a decision again. When I first started the company, I wasn't, I wasn't sold on it. 
like I, you know, the, there's a scripture in the Bible that, and I think it's in Romans, but don't quote me, but it says, you, you know, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. When I first started my business, I wasn't fully persuaded in my own mind. Interesting. And mm. so when you aren't fully persuaded, you can be persuaded. <laughs> like, oh. like, you know okay. what I mean? Like, so yeah. someone else can come along and convince you that their way is better or something else is better. And then I also had to remind myself of who I am and what I'm, what I'm capable of. And then it was, it was literally just a decision and to become an, an expert, you know, Gladwell in his book outliers talks about the 10,000 hours of mastery. I needed to master some things mm. in order to be able to, to deal with the ebbs and flows that come along with business ownership every day, as we already laughed about is not sunshine, bunnies and rainbows. Some days it's going to storm hard as hell and you have to have stick to itness. You have mm. to be resourceful. You have to be creative and innovative and you have to be without ego. I think mm. in the early days, my ego was front and center. Look at me. You know, I remember when I was walking out of my corporate job and I was like, I'll never be back here. I was so ostentatious, not even funny. And I know <laughs> if those people would have run into me just a few short years later, they would have been laughing at me because- I, it was all ego and no clear actionable plan of how I was going to get to wow. where it is I said I wanted to go. Mm. And so I was willing to humble myself. I was willing mm. to go and be a student and to hire my own coaches and mentors and to read books and, you know, do what was necessary because it wasn't about, for me, it wasn't about me. It was about the call on my life and the people that I am to impact. And I wouldn't be able to do that if I'm trying to figure out how to make ends meet from my car, because I've gotten, you know, evicted wow. and bankrupt and all the things. And so I was like, I got to turn this thing around. And um, so coming back into myself, getting back into alignment with who I was created to be. And then from that place creating again. And so I, for me, it, failure is feedback. It was never the end. It was just an opportunity to sit back and reassess and once I reassessed, I came up with a different plan. And then I moved in the direction of the plan that I set. Hmm. Danielle, what, it's funny, we've had so many guests and, and Bob and I talk about this all the time is that entrepreneurship is, it's a personal development course. It's, a, <laughs> it's, it's what it is, right? It's a, it's a personal growth, spiritual growth. It's all the growth courses. What, what would you say with some of the been some of the most I don't know useful principles that you've learned, you probably it's not like you've done all different types of programs and courses and mentoring. Has there been a couple that you'd be willing to share that that stand out as this was a, this was a turnkey moment for me? This was this was something when I applied, um, and I'm looking for the stuff that is uncommon. I mean, there's oh yeah. You I know, got lots of the uncommon. I, I call it I call it entrepreneur porn because there's so much downloads of coming all the time of be like this and grind that and yeah. and work hard this and this technique and that technique. It's like it's just bombarding and it makes you feel all ooh I'm so excited. But yeah. what worked for you? What what yeah. was it worked for Darnielle? Brandon, that's such a great question. Like so, for me, I actually cannot I cannot say that one coach or mentor did it. I made a lot of investment decisions because I believe in the empower the power of investment. And sometime what I got from it was just that I needed to charge more. Mm. Not that <laughs> like I was already capable. I already had the skill set. I just needed to believe in myself more. So most of the, the, 
the things that have really stayed with me are things I read in books. You know, I already alluded to earlier the fact that I read a book a week um, when I can, when I'm not writing my own book. <laughs> and so some of the books that have been instrumental, I think I started to learn about money differently as a result of reading A Happy Pocket Full of Money by David Cameron Jacondi or Jacondi. Yeah, Cameron Jacondi. Book changed my life. Mm. Changed the way I saw money. Another book that really helped with money, Jen Sincero's You're a Badass at Making Money. Mm. Just the way that the concepts were laid down were so simple to understand. Another really powerful book for me, The Big Leap. Mm. Learning how to get into my zone of genius and to stop being complacent in my zone of excellence and mm. being willing to allow everything to fall away so that I really could make the big leap, even though it's scary even though I'd much rather stay in this nice little comfortable pocket because I like it so much. Um, another really powerful book, Profit First, Mike Michalowicz. Um, that really taught me, when I found Profit First, I was already putting money aside in my business, but I wasn't appropriating all of the money that came in. So learning that I should have a tax account and when it was time to pay taxes, I just dip into the tax account to pay the taxes instead of trying to figure out what I could sell real quick in order to make this tax money because that's hustling. And mm -hmm. so it, it it took me out of that that hustle and grind mode and really started to put me in a place to be able to strategically um, save and 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 connect in a way that it didn't allow me to be hurried at any particular point in time in my journey. Because I today do not believe that you have to work hard. I do think that there will be periods where you might have to work longer, but I don't think the work ever has to be hard. There's definitely no need to hustle and grind. Right. Uh, you know, one of my favorite favorite passages in the Bible talks about sweatless victories. I want mm. some sweatless victories. And so how can I set myself and my business and the things that I do up so that we can get to where we want to go without having to break a sweat? Mm. And that is going to take. So you, you asked me about principles. That's going to take yep. confidence. Preach. It's going to take connection, connection to yourself, connection to your creator, connection to the gifts and talents that are on the inside of you, connection to the problem that you solve for those that you solve it for, connection to the products and services that you bring to market, and a complete understanding that those products are game changers in the lives of other people. It takes surrender, recognizing when the best thing you can do is take your hands off of it and detach from the outcome. Mm, it's also going to take forgiveness. Love forgiveness it. of self, forgiveness of those clients who defaulted on their loan, forgiveness of those mentors that didn't do what they said they were going to do, just forgiveness all the way around and, and sitting in the seat of the significance of some of those principles. And I talk about all of these throughout my book. You know, we get into the strategy because everybody thinks they just need another strategy, but we mm -hmm. do live in a hustle culture. What mm -hmm. it really takes to, to have a business that serves you financially and spiritually are these softer skills. No one, I, I did this event a couple of years ago, um, guys, and I was teaching, it was called Breakthrough in Business. And so it was all about the mindset and spiritual alignment principles that make a difference. And everybody was with me until I said, you got to do the forgiveness protocol. Ooh. They were like, what? You mean to tell me that I can't hold them? I'm like, first of all, they don't even remember that they did that to you. And honestly, mm -hmm. most people aren't harming you because they don't, I mean, most people aren't Jeffrey Dahmer. Like they're, that's <laughs> yeah. not who they are, right? Like yeah. they didn't even know that they hurt yeah. your feelings. They didn't yes. even know they did that to you. Right. And so you carrying that around only hurts you. It only impacts your ability to get to the next level. It doesn't mm -hmm. impact them because they're all living their best life. And mm -hmm. you're upset. Like you're, you're still I've... stuck in whatever that moment was when they did that thing that they don't yeah. even know that they did. 
and you're not experiencing the best that life has to offer. Why? And I know yeah. I'm trivializing it making it sound really simple. It's way well, deeper than that because it's traumatic for a lot of people. But doing that work, outlying those principles are the key to really experiencing whatever it is you want in your life. Hey, everybody. Hope you're enjoying today's show. Uh, I know I certainly am. And I just want to say if there is ever an example of the power of story to connect, to invoke trust, to show uh, the shared struggle of humanity and and the, the birth of an amazing gift to the world that Darnielle is. This is her story. I'm so intrigued. I'm so enjoying this. And as she tells her story, she tells the lessons learned, the characters that have been involved in her life to create who she is today. Uh, it is such a powerful way to connect with your audience, to create that resonance, that rapport, that connection that we crave as human beings. And that's what we do at Feed Stories. That's what we do at strategicstory.media is we help people find their personal story, their origin story, their product slash business story, and we help them amplify that. And, and those are the stories that connect us. Those are the stories that give the example of the types of solutions and the way you, you uh, are able to solve problems. And it gives people a reason to connect with you. So if that's something of interest to you, go to strategicstory.media, go to feedstories.com. We work in tandem, these two companies, to amplify your business, first finding your story and then using video media to amplify it. Now back to the show. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brendan Boyd. Um, I appreciate what you're saying. I appreciate that. Danielle, I, the forgiveness thing, it's funny, you know, for a time in my life, it was regulated to religion. Mm -hmm. Like there was some type, there was guilt and shame. If you don't, then you're going to go burn there. It, yeah. That's, that's how it was dumbed down. But I think, mm -hmm. you know, again, quoting scripture here, it's been a while. Um, but, you know, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And I'm like, you know right. what? The people I really have needed to forgive and even myself when I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I didn't know what I was doing was hurting others. It was hurting me and, and what that person did to me. And God, that really hurt. And it's like, they didn't really know what they were doing. They didn't. It's like, you think, you think because you're hurt, you're injecting your own understanding of the situation into it, but they didn't know. Yeah. Your viewpoint they really is didn't know what you. they were doing. I don't think they had any idea Most <laughs> what of the they time were doing. They didn't. And, and, you, and, and I think we're humans, we get trapped up. It's like, well, how could they not? How right. could they not understand how much that hurt me? Well, they probably didn't. Right, because it was done to them. And so it was common yeah. practice and it's what yeah. you do to people. Like, yeah. I mean, I've never personally experienced domestic violence, but I've heard enough study about it that typically those who are abusers were abused. Yes. That's what they right. think. Hurt is, people hurt people. Yeah. Right. That's yep. what they think is what you're supposed to do. And 100%. that's what they do. And so it's it absolves them of the responsibility of being held to that action that they made that probably wasn't in their best judgment. And it, oh, it frees you. It opens you up to be able to get access to everything that's waiting for you. Mm. Everything. I and there's that. so much waiting. And yeah. so, you know, my little corner of the earth, yeah. I just want to help people to understand what it really takes because it's not the hustling. I mean, sure, if you work hard, you will get there, but you're going to be really tired. And nine times out of 10, you're just going to be tired. Like you're not even going to get the result that you want. With no result. Just really, right? really, yeah. really, really tired. <laughs> right. right. 
hundred percent. Yeah, hustling and grinding just makes you tired. It does not make you wealthy. It will never make you wealthy. Stop telling people that it makes you wealthy. And I get it. My dad, I probably three times a week used to hear him say, you have to work hard for money. But you know what? He heard that from his dad. Yeah. Right. And his dad heard that from his dad. And and eventually they were in the cotton fields in South Carolina. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was just passed down. It's generational ignorance just passed down and passed down and passed down and no one looking up enough to ask the question about Mm. what might be an alternative to what they've always believed to be the truth Mm. i love that well often it takes an outside force to wake that up absolutely and and ask brandon and i how we know (laughs) (laughs) i mean here we are in our early 50s still working on some of those issues where it's like that story just plays on repeat unconsciously yep. until somebody calls it out. And yeah, then yeah. once you realize it's there, then you could deal with it. Absolutely. Yeah. So just, just amazing. Um, let's talk about your book a little bit more, um, kind of look into the future. So the book you've always been meant to write, mm-hmm. which is exciting. Um, tell us your dream for the book. Where, where do you think that this book is going to take you and and how it's going to impact the world? Yeah, I love that. So first we're going to be New York times, USA Today, if they're back, Wall Street Journal, Publishers Weekly. We're hitting all the lists, first and foremost. That's the first thing that's happened. Um, And the reason why that's important to me is because I really do believe that my mission, my mantle is to be a disruptor, specifically Mm -hmm. as it pertains to money. Most of us were raised financially illiterate. Even when we came from money, which isn't my story, We were still raised that you don't talk about money. Like Mm. we really don't understand what money is and how money works. We don't understand how to leverage it in order to do the things we want. Like, you know, I always say, you know, we, I think we've already established I'm a God girl. Right. And so, you know, in the Bible, I like to talk about the, the story, the parable of the talents and how the master gave three servants, either five, two or one talents when he went off to wherever he went off. And when he came back, he couldn't, it was a test to see what his servants would do with the money. And mm-hmm. I believe that money is a test. It's, do we understand that money is a lesser thing or do we make it a major thing? And most of us make it a major thing. And when it's a major thing, it means that you you don't understand the significance of it and you don't know how to use it and leverage it. And it becomes a, a, a force that in a, that either that disables you from getting access to what it is that you want. Mm. But once you understand what money is and you know that it's just an energy and a tool that you can create whenever you want, it ceases to hold the power that we give it. Mm-hmm. And then you open up the ability for more of it to come into your life. Because when it's this big, arduous thing, it feels like you're always pushing the boulder up the hill and eventually you get tired and then the boulder rolls back over you and you're broke again. And and that's the way I was raised. I mean, the, the earliest money lessons I got were, you got to work hard for money. My mom used to say money is only for what you need. I'm 47 mm-hmm. years old and I still have to catch myself when I want something. Because yeah. uh... I still would be like, but I don't really need it. And I'm like, nope, I want it. It's a desire. I can have it. I deserve it. Um, and so in, so in the book and, and because of the book, I really want people to understand that having a million dollar business, it is not as hard as we have told ourselves that it is, Mm. it is not beneath you. And that if you can understand how to leverage these principles and, and we break the book down, it's in four sections, um, move is an acronym. It stands for mastery, 
operational obedience, vision, and execution. So in the mastery section of the book, we go through the million dollar assets. There are seven of them. So that's where we give the strategy because everybody wants the strategy. Operational obedience are those soft skills. We talk about confidence and surrender and forgiveness in that section of the book. And then vision is about learning how to look at everything from where you desire to be and not where you sit right now. I call that your vision point versus your vantage point. Because if mm. you're all, if you look at anything from your vantage point, it's always skewed. Mm. But if you can learn how to look at things from where you desire to be, then you give yourself permission to vibrate, to reach up to that level. And then the fourth section of the book is called execution because the only way to move, move is an action word. It's a movement, right? You have to do something. And so what are you actually going to take from everything that I've shared with you in this book to execute, to get you closer to the million dollar mark? We teach about the, what I call the move to millions continuum, um, which is a series of $100,000 milestones. So $100,000 a year, $100,000 a quarter, $100,000 a month, $100,000 a week, $100,000 a day. And how do you make the move to the next milestone that ultimately brings you to the point where you could have a million dollar company if that is your desire. And honestly, I don't know why anyone wouldn't desire to have a million dollar company because when you have more money, the impact is felt by millions. Mm. You can help more people when you have more money. It's hard to be the change when you don't have any. And so <laughs> creating an environment for people to realize that a million dollar business is really the floor and this is how we can start to shift the statistics around small business. We can continue to effectively influence our economy, create more jobs, and teach our children about money in a way that will serve them when they become our age. Mm, love that. Is that. And that's all in the book? That's all in the book. Oh, I can't wait. Ooh. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, well, it's, it's, a, it's really good. And I mean, I know I have to say that because I wrote it, but it is... I am blown away at what I wrote in this book. And it's, I don't leave anything out. Like I've always tried my best to operate from a paradigm of abundance. And so in abundance, I put it all in the book. Yeah. Love it. And it sounded like you channeled the muse. So yeah. a lot of it is just, you were, you were just the, just the vessel. So yeah, we want to be sure that we know when the book comes out, and and for people that want to plug into this amazing energy, um, where can people find you now and make sure that they get uh, information about the book when it comes out? Yeah, absolutely. You can go to drdarnielle.com is probably the easiest way to find me. Um, we are going to build a book website. The team is working on it now. It's not done yet, but it will be movetomillionsbook.com when the book mm. is ready. Keep it nice and simple and easy. Um, yeah, that's how people will be able to find me. And I'm at Darnell Jervy Harmon everywhere. So any platform that exists out there for as long as they exist, I'll be at Darnell Jervy Harmon on them. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, Darnell, this has been amazing. Uh, I cannot wait to read your book. I'm so excited about so many things we talked about. Um, let's close with one of our favorite segments is we like to give our guests and, you know, you're just a little low energy. So hopefully you can kind of, you know, get yourself excited to talk about You see, yeah, we're going to kind of boost you up a little bit here. But uh, we call it the 60 second rant. So if there's anything in the planet that that just anything that drives you nuts, if you want to soapbox a little bit, mm -hmm. I, I mean, anything that's just you, you, you just want to get out, maybe it's, you know, 
maybe it's Starbucks and how they didn't prepare the coffee. If there's any, if you know, people drive in the left lane. That's my rant. Um, you know, oh, yeah. any anything where we can get to know you a little bit more about what would be if I were a ranter with my with my <laughs> rant. I don't think you're kind of a ranter, but you're in a positive rant. Yeah, I'm like, it could be know, like a like, soapbox. I don't want rant. you to you don't have to complain, but it's like you're yeah, you're, you're I don't a passionate know. person. I'm thinking like I mean, there are things that burn my biscuits, like there are All things right, that what, really frustrate yeah. me. Um, but most of those things are like business related and I'm trying not to be all one-sided. Um, (laughs) so I, okay. So here's something (laughs) if I could rant. So I have a new puppy. Her name is lady. She is one years old and she is a little terror. She is (laughs) a terror. We have taken her to puppy school twice and she's a puppy school drop. Like they would not let her stay. She's that bad. (laughs) And so I had a dog previously who passed away in 2020. Her name was Latte. Latte was a little angel. And I think that lady's mission in life is to let me know that she's not Latte. She looks exactly like her, but she is a little hellion. And we have tried everything. And so we have not been able to find a school to send her to be trained. We've just literally in the past three weeks, we've taken her to three additional places and none of them will keep her because in the, the the one thing that they do that normally means that the dog is ready to come under submission, lady's not trying to hear all that. So she is not listening. So we cannot get this dog trained. And so we are forced to deal with this little hellion until she grows out of this, this stage of rebellion. And it's just not fair. Oh, my God. Oh. What kind of dog? What kind of dog? He's a Shih Tzu and Poodle mix. Oh, oh okay. a shit poodle or whatever, a poodle <laughs> shit or something. She poo. Sorry. Shit poodle. <laughs> Figuring it out. God. Well. Well, yeah, she's, she's obviously, obviously some pot gummies to, just to slow yeah. down, like chill that dog out. My husband actually said something similar to that, but I'm like, would that kill the dog? Like, I'm not trying to kill her. I just well, need her to mellow out a little bit. Hey. Hey, my Italian grandmother used to feed us toddlers vodka soaked cherries. We would drop on the floor in 20 minutes so they could play pinochle. Yeah. So if I, if I can, and it probably explains a lot about it, my explains a lot about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like she'd feed us cherries. We'd drop you'd have toddlers on the floor out. So if, uh, if we can do that with humans, we can do it for your, for your shit yeah. poodle. Poodle shit. Lady needs some ladylike behavior. Something. She, does. she is not a lady by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, oh, that's, a, really that's a fun. That's a fun way to close out. So, <laughs> oh, so good. Well, like I said, you are a bundle of energy, positive energy, yes. positive force in the world. Thank um, you your so book much. will make all those lists and change a bunch of lives. I just know it. And yeah. I'm so excited for you and just looking forward to all that success. And thanks for uh, while you're still while you're still in our level, thanks for spending time with us before, right. you, before you are hobnobbing with Oprah. Listen, I will, even so. when I'm hobnobbing with Oprah, I'm still going to be me. Listen, okay. I tell everyone I call myself Getwa. That means I got a little ghetto in me and I got a little bougie in me and I know how to bring <laughs> the two together so that we that can should have be on a t-shirt. Time. I love that. Yeah, there you go. Oh, so good. Well, thanks Perfect. for spending time with us. So, so enjoyed me. the conversation. Thanks, Danielle. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Innovative Founder with Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd, a show featuring the real stories of entrepreneurs, 
making their beautiful dent in the world. If you like the show, let us know by leaving a rating. If you're an innovative business founder yourself with a story to tell, then you might just be our next guest. Reach out to us on InnovativeFounder.com and tell us your story. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Innovative Founder.